some other version of not king where prince andrew is is not the archetype <laughs> i think <laughs> that would be preferable okay. uh i was thinking about not this exact question the other day but i was thinking about um personality types among like business leaders and things like that that i've encountered in my job and things like that and I, i've i i tend to sense that like I don't have the same personality type as a lot of the people who are like higher up in the companies that I deal with. Yeah. And and it's you know it's just it's 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 not like a bad thing on their part. It's 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 like it's how they think or it's how they like process things. I know I you know there's like Myers-Briggs test. There's all those kinds of like things out mm-hmm. there that kind of identify this, but I think one thing that uh particularly I notice is that I'm much more inward in my thought process, it takes me a while to come to a conclusion. And then mm-hmm. once I do, then I'll bring it to you. Whereas like, it seems like there is a predominant style among executives. It's not pervasive, of course, but uh, that like thinking out loud or just sort of like speaking and processing live seems to be sure. something they do more mm-hmm. often. And so anywho, I don't think I would like the pressure of having to be that where like everything that I say is scrutinized or everything that I, all of my actions need to be decisive. I'm not that personality type. So for that reason and many others, I think I would rather be uh, near the throne, but not on it. Sure. Sure. How about you? Uh, Yeah. You know, I, when you were talking about running into uh, different types of personalities in your job. I, uh, you know, the, I think the predominant way to describe many lawyers' personalities is type A, mm. uh, which I am decidedly not. And uh, I actually was having a conversation with Jackie not too long ago about how, like, I don't feel a strong need to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to really be in charge and I don't need to be in front and I don't need to, like, you know, have my name on things. I just want to like kind of do my job and, and, and get things done. And, uh, you know, I even work better when I have like a clearly defined task. Uh, and, and it really helps when someone else defines that task for me. So I think if I were all of a sudden in charge, I would be rather rudderless. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have, and in my, you know, my, I don't know what, I guess maybe I'm type B. I don't know what anything is except for type A, <laughs> but yeah. like the, it, 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 it can be uh, a challenge being a lawyer who is not type A insofar as imagine. you just, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't work in the same style as, as a lot of, uh, of lawyers, but at the same time, I guess it can be a little bit easier because I don't get involved in like the type A clashes uh where you know if you're collaborating with other attorneys um it's Mm -hmm. frequently difficult to get people to cede control of certain things um 
And if you don't want to have control, it's real easy to participate in those conversations because you go, yeah, I sure. Yeah, I think either one of you could probably do it. <laughs> you both seem great. Mm-hmm. Um, the when you there is in all in a lot of jobs, I, w- I won't say all because I haven't worked all jobs, but it's a very American, I think, um, concept and built in sort of, um, philosophy or, or value system that like, you should want to move up in your job. Like that is sort of like an implied, like you should want to get right. promoted. You should want to get, uh, more money, more responsibility, yada, yada, yada. And I was just having a, a similar conversation with a few folks today, um, about how it's totally okay if you're out there and if you if you're okay like i make the money i want to make i don't need to make right. more you know i don't need to have more responsibility to feel validated but it's it's that it's that pressure that exists because everyone who has already made that choice everyone wants to make you know it's a very human thing that they want their own choices to be validated right. so like your manager, your manager's manager, whatever, whatever the system is that you work in probably is like pushing you to like, Oh, what's the next thing you want to do? What's your next career move? Those kinds of things. Because in a way they want you to say like, I see the choice you made and I want that. Right. And I also think that, you know, people, you know, we were both like smart, you know, uh, driven, you know, extracurricular, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. You know, and, and I think that that was very, that was very focused on like, you know, looking forward. And and so I'm going to do the next thing. And so I'm going to, you know, get, get good grades in high school and I'm going to be on the soccer team and in band and on the swim team or whatever. And then I'm going to go to college, get the best college I can go to, get the best grades, uh, you know, and then, you know, um, I wound up in Teach for America in law school, you work for Google, but Mm -hmm. then I think that I certainly have, reached a point but it's also very confusing to just kind of be like wait a minute like i'm happy here where i am Mm -hmm. and and that's never happened for me before (laughs) like or at least never never have i not been there's always been like a a a firm end date for what i was going to do high school is four years college is four years tfa was two law school is three and then uh you know i had my my first job for a while but that always felt like a I was always looking to move up there um mm-hmm. and and yeah, now it's like you know I want to do a good job, but I don't need to like you know raise my hand and and be out front and and be the you know I don't need to like I just want to do a good job, I don't need to excel well I want to excel, I guess, but I don't need to like I don't need to lead the way, I guess that's what it is, I don't need to lead the way. You don't need that external validation of like a title change or right. a responsibility change. You are internally validated with what you're doing. And that's yeah, which totally is real cool. weird because I don't get yeah. internally validated about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think that that's a, I, if anyone, if whoever needs to hear it right now, <laughs> it's okay if you're happy where you are right now. You don't, you have value right now. You don't have to be more than you are right now to be valuable. Uh, so, so what? Are, it was what, helpful, what are my it was goals helpful for then? me to hear that. It was helpful for me to hear that today. We, uh, we always have to have goals, don't we? I feel like 
if I if I'm not working and and this is this is another little another thing that I have encountered is like mm-hmm. I get done with my job and it's like all right what am I going to accomplish now I gotta yeah. I really resent how much I feel like I just need to be productive all the time what worse word could there be to describe yourself than productive <laughs> I produce like, yes, things I I produced wealth for other people and it was fantastic. I produced mm-hmm. and I produced and I produced. I, you know, like my my compulsive need to be productive is a pathology that most of us who labor under capitalism share, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think you're unique. And I think uh, it's good to remind everybody in ourselves that uh, you have intrinsic value outside of your ability to produce for whatever society. Uh, right. Uh, so anyway, I think this means probably we would both be bad kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like, I, I think what would happen is is I would just kind of like empower someone who wound up not being trustworthy at all. And then Definitely. they would usurp my, my sorry ass. You know, Definitely. I would be like, yeah, all right. You know, if you want to lead the army, that's fine by me. And then mm-hmm. he'd be like, okay, army, get him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> you would be, uh, you get worm tongued real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, why do you ask? I, he, he's, he said, uh, with the most smooth of transitions. Well, I ask because in one of the two episodes of Adventure Time that we watched to talk about on our podcast, Podventure Time this week. Uh, it was called Princess Cookies. And, uh, you know, honestly, Ben, we talked before we started recording about which one came first, but mm-hmm. I had forgotten before you told me. And since you told me, I've also forgotten. So let's mm-hmm. just talk about Princess Cookies first. Yeah, I think that's a smoother transition from what, from the intro than the. <laughs> okay. So that's fine. So just like in our intro, we have someone who wants to be the princess. Right. Wow. This episode, uh, I got after, I will say jumping to the end of it, my reaction at the end of this one was like, Ooh, this was a heavy one. Like, yeah. this was a heavy one. Ugh, there was a lot going on. All I could think is like, man, Pat's not going to shut up about this one. No, that's not <laughs> really what I thought. <laughs> uh, I, uh, what is I, what if I, I shut up about it, it would be a bad show, Ben. We would yeah. make a bad show. <laughs> Dead air, dead air. You're nothing if not an entertainer. The thrust of this episode is that there is a hostage situation in the Candy Kingdom. And there it is a standoff between uh, the law, Princess Bubblegum, and the authorities. And inside a building is a cookie who is threatening... The uh, patrons who he has held hostage in this business place of business. It looked like and a convenience is, store, and yeah, it also like looks that. like it sells ice cream. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that there's an ice cream cone being held hostage in the convenience store that is selling their brethren for consumption. There's, yeah, I mean, there's like a whole, there's a whole weird thing going on in the candy. Yeah, we're back to like, is it is it moral to eat candy people again? Right. Um, 
But anyway, he's holding them hostage. He's holding them hostage because he has a demand, and his demand is that he wants Princess Bubblegum's crown. He wants to be a princess. And there is uh, there is an impasse. Princess Bubblegum is not willing to give up her crown. I think we we knew that if if you've watched any episodes with Princess Bubblegum, uh, she's got a bit of a control issue. And yeah. And she's so not Ru- even willing to like negotiate from a like pretend it might be possible to like discuss this. She just says like, nope, that's not going to work because this is my crown. Right. And that's not really the best way probably to treat someone who has literally hostages. Yeah. So that is the situation. We, we come in in a pretty hot scenario uh, and <laughs> hot literally. I wanted to note that like it seems like. Uh, I guess to like show how tense it all is, like literally everyone like on the Princess Bubblegum side, like kind of behind the barricades talking through microphones, they're all sweating the whole time. Like Very stressful. <laughs> it's a very stressful situation. But even people who are just sort of like sitting around are sweating, like not just Princess Bubblegum, who seems to be the lead negotiator. Um, but anyway, Jake and Finn are there too. Because uh, it wouldn't be Adventure Time if they weren't mostly, um, and but Princess Bubblegum is uh, quick, quick to jump to the uh, I want like the sp- state sponsored violence option, which is right. to send in the SWAT team. Yeah, uh, I, what I wrote down is PB Heart the Carceral State. Yeah, she is PB- dead set on Cookie. Uh, winding up in her dungeon for the rest of their life. Right. So she she says, you know, there's no there's no talking to this madman, mad person. We're going to send in the SWAT team, who is the banana guard, I believe. But it's sort of implied that they are the uh, they're the tough they're the tough SWAT team. I think. Yeah, the banana guards are the only like police force in the Candy Kingdom. They're kind of a Keystone Cops, you know, slapstick type of of outfit. Okay. okay. Uh, but you know. When when all you've got is banana guards, you just send the banana guards in. Well, mm-hmm. if Finn and Jake aren't around anyway. But they are around. And Jake actually suggests before they try the banana guard, why doesn't they? Why doesn't Finn and Jake sneak in and perhaps they can Do neutralize some spy it. stuff? So old, some old school spy stuff uh, and neutralize the situation with minimal violence, minimal, uh, you know, casualties or, or collateral damage, I suppose. Right, let's his, see if we can diffuse the situation somehow. Right, right. So he suggests that they uh, they go in in disguise, and, and Jake has a ready-made disguise. He would like to be uh, a mailman, and Finn also has a ready-made disguise. He would like to literally be Jake's shadow, dressed all in black. And uh, Princess Bubblegum shoots down that idea, not because of Finn, who's of clearly sounds more ridiculous, but because of Jake's mailman idea and she says no you look more you know this her control issues kind of raising up here saying no you're not a mailman you look like a milkman to me so you will be a milkman right so here's here's pb uh going ahead and invalidating jake as well as she's sending him in to take care of uh of cookie right uh, but he goes along with it. He does put on the milkman suit, and Jake and Finn puts on a all black shadow suit, and a la Peter Pan, 
kind of uh, attaches himself to, to Jake's feet and they head in uh, to see what they can do. And they make it in just fine. The, the, they, they get inside the, the store and Cookie is there and he is threatening the hostages. Jake, uh, Jake says that he's there to sort of provide some milk and sustenance to the hostages during the crisis, which, you know, Cookie allows, which I think is the first indication that like this is not a completely unreasonable person who we are dealing with. And so then they, uh, they're going to make their move, Finn and Jake. They're, they're inching their way closer to Cookie and, and Finn is ready to go. Finn is like, great, plan's working perfectly. But then a complication arises and we learn that Cookie has accomplices. He has chocolate chips working for him. Yeah, kind Ooh. of a, like a, I don't know, like a Megazord kind of shooting off little, right. you know, uh, robot pieces or something yeah the, the the chocolate chips seem to be sentient yeah the chips that are part of his body can detach and operate independently which is sweet by the way uh it's yeah. a cool feature um but then they realize it's not just one target that they need to neutralize it's multiple so they need to alter their plans so the they decide that finn will sneak off as a shadow and neutralize all the chips while jake distracts the cookie so uh, they change that plan and they they all, they go ahead and, and do that. Um, and so Jake starts talking to Cookie. I mean, his distraction plan is essentially keep the guy talking. And he just sits down and starts uh, connecting with him, which I think right. is probably the better negotiation strategy anyway. Like PB probably could have taken a page out of Jake's book to begin with on this one. Yeah, I think Jake isn't just talking. He's also listening. Yeah, that's the it. That's it. That's oh man, that's so good. Um, so Jake is talking and listening and establishes a rapport with Cookie. And it's based, he, he opens with, ah, oh, man, I don't want to go back out there because that Princess Bubblegum's just, just a gosh darn meanie, basically. And that immediately uh, connects with Cookie because Cookie feels the same way. And he gets Cookie to open up about what's going on or why he's so why cookie is so dead set on being a princess and cookie tells us his backstory which is that cookie was an orphan and grew up in a foster care situation and had you know was had a very tough life he didn't have uh, a lot of joy as a child and then one day princess bubblegum showed up and seemed like a a beacon. It provided a sense of joy to him and a gave him hope. pink beacon of sweet hope. Yeah. And she, she told the cookie that cookie could be whatever they wanted to be. And, you know, as a child would do wanting to emulate this beacon of hope in their life, cookie said they wanted to be a princess and provide joy to other kids. And PB, it's unclear. P- PB chuckled at that idea, right. and it's unclear if she was meaning to be um, dismissive of him in that moment, or if it was, you know, or if it was just like, oh, this is these are just childish, childish dreams, and they are right. sweet and silly to hear. For example, right. I, I thought it was similarly inscrutable because it it, mm-hmm. it it read to me like you know, oh, just laughing at a at a little kid saying that they want to be a princess, but that right. is certainly not how Cookie heard it. Right. I mean, and in Princess Bubblegum's defense, 
As a child, the job that I professed I wanted to have when I grew up was lion. I wanted to be a lion when I grew up. So <laughs> well, uh, was this I'm before sure a few people after chuckled. you wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> it was before I learned how to say the phrase orthopedic surgeon. I figured uh, because as early as kindergarten, as I recall, you wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Right. I mean, you mimic what you know. My father was yeah. an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, prior to that, I probably read a book about lions, and they seemed pretty <laughs> dope. I don't know. Well, yeah. Plus, if you're a male lion, man, lay around. All the females go out and get your food. As I don't know if you I can, thought through you know, it. As long as you can just swat away the other males, you uh-huh. got you got I, the you got the life. I don't know. Maybe I just saw you in your Halloween costume, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, I remember my one of my sisters wanted to be a ma'am when she grew up. A ma'am, a like man? M-A-A, uh, no, ma'am, M-A-A-M, like, like, thank you, ma'am. Uh, it's what she thought uh, a waitress was called. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, ma'am, could I please have a uh, cup of coffee? <laughs> she thought that was the job title. <laughs> um, Someone wave down the ma'am. Yeah, exactly. I need the check. Yeah. Ma'am, uh, could I get a little more over here, please? Uh, so, uh, so anyway, all of this is to say, I don't think I could fault Princess Bubblegum if she maybe tittered or chuckled a little right. bit at, at, a, at a child just saying like, I want to be a princess. However, you're right. Cookie did not take it that way. It hit Cookie very hard. And, uh, he said that after that day, he was never the same and his hope was gone. She took away his hope. In that instant, it seems, and ever Crushed since he has, dreams. ever since he had been bitter, uh, and uh, and that bitterness grew into angst and into uh, anger, and we it, we we are where we are today. Right, and Jake, eventually got to violence. Yeah, and Jake is sympathetic. Jake is like, that's terrible. That's I mean, he's just you know, Jake is doing a great job of of communicating. He's saying that's terrible. That's really terrible, man. But he's, you know, Jake's kind of like, but, you know, what are you going to do? Like, and what, what, what can one do? Like, that was, that was a long time ago, but totally those feelings you're having are valid, essentially, mm-hmm. is what Jake says, um, which is nice. And Cookie appreciates. Cookie is um, maybe softening to Jake in that moment. But then um, tensions ratcheted up again because Cookie asks all of the chocolate chips in his team to check in with him. They're working on uh, walkie talkies and none of them check in. And that's because Finn has been systematically neutralizing them all while Jake has been talking to cookie. Well, Jake has from cookies perspective now, I suppose been distracting him, whether or not again, like whether Jake was, was there Mm -hmm. listening and being kind and understanding, you know, to cookie, it seems like this guy started talking to me and then his buddy got my chips. Well, I don't know that Cookie knows that, right? Like Cookie, Cookie just knows that the chips are gone because he still yeah. trusts Jake. I don't think that he has put two and two together that like mm-hmm. Jake is uh, part of the is potentially a threat. Uh, all he knows is that his cookie, his chips are gone, and so Cookie now feels alone, more alone than ever. And that, and he says out loud, like, "I'm gonna, I'm about to flip out." And Jake says, "Like, hold on now. There's another way. What if you just..." went and started your own kingdom. What if you just like, don't try to be princess bubblegum. Don't try to be a princess in this kingdom. Go and do your own thing. You don't need to be, you don't need to follow the plan or you don't need to like live by these rules. You can just be yourself. 
Right. And, and just given the in. number of other princesses we know exist in Ooh, this seems like a very reasonable plan. Right. It doesn't seem like there's a huge barrier to entry of like being a princess. If there's a uh, hot dog princess, there can be a cookie princess. Exactly. So uh, that actually sounds pretty good to the cookie. And so Jake presents that plan. She had, he heads back out to talk to Princess Bubblegum and says, hey, all we need to do is give this dude a horse so he can get away and he'll just leave. He'll stop being a problem. This threat to your kingdom, Princess Bubblegum, will be gone. And the problem will be solved with no injuries. Like, win, win, win. All around. Um, but Princess Bubblegum, again, not willing to tolerate any threat to her authority, I think. PB, is kind of how. PB chooses violence. The Correct. option with no one being injured is not acceptable to her. <laughs> right. Because she's going to make sure that Cookie is injured. There must be an example must be made, I think, is kind of the uh, idea here. She... She uh, characterizes him. He is an other. She others him. She says he is a madman and he must be punished. Uh, and Jake is like, ah, that's not a great idea, but um, can't really do a lot about it. So he we move on to the sort of the next scene, which is that Cookie and Jake come out of the building. Cookie is holding onto a marshmallow hostage, which I thought was hilarious looking. And he and Princess Bubblegum has a ready a horse ready for them. The horse looks bonkers, but <laughs> uh, uh, but Cookie's ready to ride off into the sunset. But Jake Jake is now um, on Team Cookie at this point. He is unhappy with how Princess Bubblegum is handling the situation, and he warns Cookie that that horse is almost certainly a trap horse. Yeah. He is certainly Team Mercy, uh, Team Clemency. If, right. if not exactly Team Cookie, he is he is Team Anti-Punishment. Right. So he uh, sagely, I think, warns Cookie that the horse that Princess Bubblegum is going to provide is a trap and he should not accept it. And, and then offers himself. He says, don't worry, I'm a magic dog. I can get you out of here. And so he transforms into a horse and uh, Cookie rides away, uh, gallops into the sunset or, or sort of over, over, the, over the palace walls, at least, and gets away. Princess Bubblegum gives chase. She demands, she, you know, she says after them, classic. Uh, so we have a now we have a chase scene to sort of round out the episode. The, the banana guard hot on the heels of Jake and Cookie sort of Thelma and Louising their way uh, across the the king, the land of Ooh. Um, and Cookie is loving it. Cookie is riding free on Jake. Uh, Finn is actually there too. She, he is, uh, he has really become good at like becoming a shadow. Uh, right. and so he is, he is now Jake's shadow as a horse. Um, and hops up to talk to Jake and is like, what are you doing, man? You're helping. We were like, the plan was to neutralize this dude. What's going on? And I think that that's like a classic, you know, Finn is pretty binary when it comes to like good and evil. Uh, yeah. And well, so this doesn't make sense to him a lot. Yeah. What, what I, what I thought was that like this shows, I think Jake's chaotic good alignment and Finn's lawful good alignment because yeah. Jake's like, I know that letting that, that getting princess cookie out of here is the right thing to do. And Finn is like, nah, the law says that I think what the thing that Finn says is no, he's a criminal. 
Right. And so that's all that matters. Another label. Right. You know, uh, he is he is violating the law. And so Finn is wants to apprehend the 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 person, the cookie who has uh, violated the law, regardless of the, you know, uh, cosmic morality of doing so. Agreed. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and Jake puts an ultimatum to, fin- ultimatum to Finn and says, look, man, this is what we're doing. I don't think this cookie deserves to be going to jail. So either you're with me or you're against me. And, good for Jake. Right. And Finn, <laughs> true to his nature, kind of goes, I guess against, against you, you then? Yeah. And Finn, so Jake promptly just pushes him off the back of the horse of, of himself. So uh, Finn's out of the picture. And now they're free. Now they're running free, and um, you know they're still getting chased, but they're they don't have too many things holding them back. Except they are approaching a chasm, and Jake is like, "We can jump it. I'm a magic dog. I think I can make it." But Cookie stops them, and in a dramatic fashion, sort of like tackles Jake and makes them stop before the chasm, and and they have a talk, and and Cookie Cookie basically says he he has a realization that. He's never going to really be a princess. It's not in the cards for him. And he thanks Jake because Jake made him feel like a princess, even for a moment. And it felt wonderful. Just being validated in that one moment was just so wonderful for Cookie. And then very dramatically, Cookie says bye to Jake and commits suicide. Yeah, just steps backwards off the cliff. Yeah, he he ends things on his own terms. I mean, it's it's very. I mean, Thelma and Louise is all I could think of the whole time. I mean, yeah. they didn't both go over the cliff because that Jake wouldn't. You know, we wouldn't have a show anymore. But um, but it's that same feeling. And he goes over the cliff, and we hear the sickening crunch of a cookie hitting <laughs> the, ca- the the canyon floor. Um, but it is a kids' show, so the right. next scene. The very next Turns scene. Turns out it's a is, cartoon. Yeah, the very next scene, we're at the bottom of the chasm, uh, and a, uh, a, a what, what do they call it? Like a a, a police crew, um, a special investigations crew is there. Like take a crime scene photography. That's a crime scene uh, crew is there taking photos, and the cr- the cookie cookie is there in pieces, uh, but is still fully sentient. <laughs> It's just it's like uh, it's like priest from Blade Two that we talked about last week. He he actually he, does have like his little eye just sitting there mm-hmm. and a quarter of his head blinking. Uh huh. So we've got immortal cookies. Who knows? Again, which part of like if if one of those parts had been lost, you know, which one, which one a, is is the cookie part? How does one kill a member of the Candy Kingdom? It is unclear at this point. Um. But they can die because I get, you know, the very first episode of Adventure Time is is PB raising someone from the dead. So That's true. <laughs> somehow they can die. Maybe Probably only, just PB kills them herself. Right. It's all science. It's all experimentation. Anywho, uh, then we transition to a um, mental hospital, a rehabilitation hospital. Mental hospital is probably not the right term. And these uh, I can't, I don't know what it would be, a psychiatric ward, maybe. Yeah, um, it's, it's a psych ward of some kind. Yeah. So, uh, and the, the cookie has been reassembled, uh, Humpty Dumpty style and is wearing bandages. All the chips on his body are also wearing bandages, which I thought was adorable. (laughs) Um, and he is playing chess with a fellow patient in the ward. 
And then Jake arrives as a mailman to visit and brings and says, hello, everybody. Hello. And he calls, uh, he calls, uh, cookie, I think baby snap, which is his, was nick, his nickname from the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And then says, I have something for you from the grass kingdom. And he brings a crown, a grass crown with a flower and gives it to, uh, the cookie. And he is, and, and it is amazing. Cookie feels so amazing. All the other patients bow because they see him as royalty, see them as royalty. I keep saying him. Um, Many of the uh, other patients, of course, being uh, like one-off characters that we have seen mm-hmm. uh, and who are utterly out of their minds, like the, uh, the, the, ginger, the crazy gingerbread man. Um, and I, gosh, I can't even remember what episode he was from, but like he, he recited some poem as he faded off into the stars or something like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then he wound up, you know, sharing the, uh, the psych ward with, with Cookie. No one in the Candy Kingdom dies. Um, and I also noted that Finn and Bubblegum were there. They were part of the plan. Like, Bubblegum was there also to, like, help in this plan. and so, Like, she was there enjoying this, which I don't know what that really yes. means. I don't think, I mean, I don't take it as her having learned any lessons. I think it's just, she right. was just there. Yeah. I mean, Cookie Cookie is not in the dungeon. He's He's no. got that going for him. Now, I... I doubt that he could, you know, check himself out of the psych ward against medical advice. Right. So the extent to which Cookie is still free, of course, is a is an open question. But PB yeah. appears at least to have decided that Cookie does not need to be rotting in a dungeon for the rest of his natural life. Yeah, I mean, or there's definitely life. there's definitely a protective custody feel to the whole situation. But yeah. I, it, so anyway, that's how we end. We end with him receiving his crown and feeling very uh, special and very um, and great. And and we end on that sort of positive note or it's bittersweet, I think, is what yeah. like, I think the right tone is. But the whole episode, man, like is like, wow, like this is a kid's show. Like we're going to mm-hmm. go ahead and like tackle in one episode. I think we're tackling the foster care system right. sort of like school to prison pipeline <laughs> the carceral system uh you know like the inherent violence in kept in like a in a in a society that is built on uh uh you know a royalty kind of situation you know like a mm-hmm. situation a, a, a dictatorship come and see the violence inherent in the system come and see the violence yeah, inherent in the system exactly all of that in one episode man like it was i was like whoa this one is hitting hard very cool very cool yeah. episode so so it occurs to me that cookie not being in in the dungeon is is somewhat of uh, it's a happier ending certainly Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that it feels funny to us for PB to have consented to that is because she was so dead set on Cookie being punished mm-hmm. and being like, you know, uh, sort of well taken care of and treated kindly in a psych ward doesn't feel like punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's treatment um, or or whatever you, you however you want to think of it. You know, if if Cookie can't leave, you know, at least the the focus is is rehabilitative whether right. Cookie can leave or not. Uh, maybe a prisoner, but is not necessarily being punished. And so right. it's you know, not one, of the, one of the yeah. things that you always talk about in, in first year law school in your crim law class is like, you know, 
the theories of punishment and like you know the what gives the state the right to lock people up or 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 you know what makes you a criminal and then do you deserve things and uh, I actually had a, a short um, debate with someone who's now a very prominent law professor who has a podcast uh, like orders of magnitude more popular than ours. We okay. got into a little argument because. I think the hypothetical was something like, you know, if we could take all of the murderers and rapists in the world and uh, separate them from society and put them on their own island, but on that island, they'll be happy, they'll be well-fed and taken care of, and they'll they'll have great lives. Is that an acceptable resolution to us having uh, violent people in our society? And I was like, hell yeah, I don't care if anybody has to, like, suffer, because I don't see an inherent value in punishment. Mm-hmm. Like someone else's suffering doesn't do me any good. And so to me, I, I, I disagree completely with PB's approach, which is he did this wrong. And so he deserves to be in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. I'm much more like, you know, okay, Cookie seems to have something going on where, you know, really wants to be a princess, did take hostages. We have to recognize that was violent toward other people. Mm-hmm. But if Cookie can be happy pretending to be a princess in the psych ward, that's just as good to me as winding up in the dungeon. That's interesting. And does it. Ch- and I guess as a society, I, guess, I, I think I agree with you too. And I, my, my initial thought was like, okay, but what if he had killed one of the hostages? What mm-hmm. is the, you know, like, what if, you know, because he was not, he threatened violence, but didn't really actually commit a violent act. I mean, violence of the violence of, uh, you know, emotional stress and trauma, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, physical violence, he didn't. So what would have would have been appropriate then? And I think if I'm interpreting your point correctly, is that even in that moment, like, yes, person, like, say they, you know, the the widow of the candy person he killed theoretically Mm -hmm. might personally want vengeance and might personally want cookie to suffer. But as a society do, does society and the state benefit from uh, allowing or sort of um, bowing to that personal vendetta that personal right. desire for vengeance. right i think does the, does the state have an interest mm-hmm. in pursuing punishment for punishment's sake you right. know i think so let's assume that you know the candy kingdom okay they've got dungeons so they've got jails and all right so cookie kills somebody um i i you know i can i i I, I'm abolitionist, and I don't think that I, I'm I'm anti-incarceration as a as a principle. I do think that rehabilitation and uh, like sequestration um, are valid goals for the state to pursue. I don't mm-hmm. think that they should put people in cages to do it, but I do think that you know if someone is a murderer and there's a good chance that they will murder again, then we have to do something. To mm-hmm. keep them from murdering again, uh, but I don't think that there's a legitimate interest in pursuing suffering, in pursuing punishment that isn't rehabilitative uh, or or doesn't you know um, eliminate the 
the threat that goes beyond that. You know, like I said, if we could have sent Cookie to uh, an island where he had been happy, where he would be happy, I don't care how many people he killed. He's not in ooh killing people anymore. And so if he's smiling, oh, well, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. Right. Right. You, you know, no amount of punishment you exert on him will bring back those people. Right. Theoretically, unless PB does. Um, <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah, I, I hear what you're coming. I get where you're coming from. Um, but you're right. Like, it's not how most societies, most states, I suppose, uh that's not where most states come down on that issue, do they? No, it's not. Uh-huh. No, it's not. Um, so, all in all, I thought, wow, what a layered episode. What a cool episode. Just fascinating to me. Like, I, I just, after that episode, I was, it was just like, woof, that was a lot to watch in yeah. whatever time. I would minutes. be curious to hear, like, you know, if, if Dave watched it, what his takeaway from that sure. episode would be yeah you yeah. know because we've uh, spent what you know 40 minutes talking about <laughs> all of the bizarre theories that we've created about this cartoon and things we've read into it but mm-hmm. it is a kid's show uh and i i don't see any reason why that episode wouldn't have worked for kids but i'd be very curious like you know what was that what was that about like what did did you learn anything from it who knows i i couldn't predict yeah. what, what I, he would I pull mean, out I, of there or any kid would I, I you're right. I don't know. I think the basic message of that episode was the personal validation is important. You know, they wouldn't yeah. say it that way, but like let people be who they want to be. Basically, yes. I think mm-hmm. is like sort of the key message there. Yeah. Um. So I'm guessing that would be some version. Mm-hmm. Um. But you're right. Like, who knows what people, what kids take out of that? But I think, I think overall, it was a good message i think it was a and i think that's true of like what i watch in adventure time usually is i think that it's really one of its core tenets and values is that it always sort of bends towards moral justice as opposed to law-abiding yeah, yeah. And, things and like i think it yeah i think that cookie being validated is is really important and i think that a lot of adventure time is about figuring out how to validate someone in order to improve their life and improve your interactions with them. You know, like I think about um, the the bear who was impersonating Finn and, you know, Jake is all against it and, and hostile, but the, the bear gets along much better with Finn. Who's like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, like we mm-hmm. can, you know, it's, it's okay that you want to act like me. I don't, you know, I'm not going to get all upset about that. It, you know, I, I do think that that's, Accepting people as they are and and validating them is is a not uncommon lesson to learn yeah. uh, in Adventure Time. Agreed. We have a different lesson. We should probably move on to our second episode, mm-hmm. uh, or is it the first episode? I don't know. We think we things know. got jumbled. Things got jumbled today. But there's a uh, discrepancy the- between Hulu and Wikipedia, I should say. And the way that my brain works is if there is a or B, I will never remember which is which. <laughs> if, if there are two choices, because I will I will convince myself no matter what, oh, well, that's what I initially thought, so that was wrong. Well, but now this is what I think, so that must be wrong too. Mm-hmm. So really neither one of these came anyway. I don't know which is episode 13 and which is episode 14, but one of them 
is entitled Card Wars. Correct. And that's the one we'll talk about now. Man, we transition between things like Paul Harvey. It is so smooth. <laughs> um, Card Wars is a much simpler episode. I don't think we'll have as many layers to talk about here. No. But, uh, but it is uh, a funny one in its own right. And Card Wars is a, a simple premise. Jake has a card game similar to many um, fantasy card games that exist in our world. Uh, mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, lots of card games. Um, Which, how, how many of those have, have you played? I have played a little bit of Magic the Gathering in my day. I've never owned it, but I've played with uh, other people's cards uh, but I, I think that we were maybe just a couple years too old to like really get into collectible mm-hmm. card games. Like, you know, I, I think that Pokemon happened when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And so we could have gotten into it, but it wasn't, you know, like we were children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. So for me, Magic the Gathering is really the only collectible card game that I know anything about. And so that's what Card Wars was as far as I was concerned. I, I hadn't. I've never played Magic: The Gathering, um, and I've never played Pokemon, the card game either. But I have seen kids David's age, my mm-hmm. uh, my eight year old, uh, play them, and and I've seen them explain the rules. So I'm I'm familiar a bit with more with like the rules of that particular game. Um, and but there's also you know there's a ton of them like I think Yu-Gi-Oh has a card mm-hmm. is a card game and uh, I know there's a there's just so many um, in the genre that that I'm, I'm sure they're cool I'm sure they're fun to play um, but that is the crux Jake wants to play a game and uh, uh, Card Wars is the name of the game I believe yeah yeah it's called Card Wars and I, Jake says it's like it's super complicated <laughs> yeah right that's the selling point um, right. And Which, he, he, you know, he wants I, I to have play. to say, like, all of us know a Jake, right? With who's like a, a super competitive, obnoxious board game person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like a Michael Scott. You know, if you don't know a Jake, then you probably are the Jake. I am. I might be the Jake. I do like car. I do like board games, and. Carolyn doesn't like to play with me that much. Um, <laughs> Which that actually is is just what's happening here because Jake yeah. is Jake is moping around because Lady Rainicorn won't play with him anymore. Yeah, I so I had two memories that got sparked from this whole scenario of Jake wanting to play this game and um, clearly trying to sort of like cajole Finn into playing uh, through a little bit of. Um, you know, passive aggressive, uh, guilt tripping a little, um, yeah, very, uh, very Midwestern. Yep. Um, one memory was playing trivial pursuit as a group with you and our some <laughs> high school friends at some point. Well, we were being that? extremely obnoxious because I don't remember at, All at I remember a certain is that point, at some point, you it, and I were just reading questions back and forth to each other and ignoring everyone i think that that's when people <laughs> got annoyed with us well they they didn't it's not that we started ignoring people is that they got tired of playing with us because <laughs> we were either so insistent on like getting them right or like you know winning or whatever that like it stopped that's being fun for other it. people 
Uh, and then when they stopped playing, we too, I think make a point. We kept playing <laughs> because like someone has to win, you know, like that was like, I think the idea there. Uh, so I'm glad you remember too. uh, apologies to all those people. We were certainly being jerks. Um, um, so that came to mind. And then also I've played, I, I really like playing board games. I, I, I find them very fun. Um, but I also like game systems. I think that's part of what I like is like learning the system and like learning the nuances of the gameplay and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's different than how other people approach board games. Like other people approach board games like they approach approach. I keep saying a porch like I, it's a word approach. Um, like they approach it because it's just like it's a social interaction. Like it's like mm-hmm. conversation. It's right. just, you know, and, and it's the system, the winning doesn't matter. It's just like a communal thing to do. And mm-hmm. I think when those types, two types of personalities play board games together, one of them tends to get annoyed with the other one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that happens. I think that is perhaps true with, um, my wife's family. Uh, <laughs> they approach, they like board games from a, uh, which a very healthy, very communal, uh, family bonding point of view. And I like board games because there are rules and people can win them. <laughs> and, uh, that I don't, we've never had an argument. It's never resulted in any yeah. problems, but I, I've noticed that we don't play them as often as I, we used to, uh-huh. I guess. So yeah, I, yeah, this, this, this hit a few nerves this episode. For yeah. Me. I, I, uh, I can be Jake. Certainly. And, and when mm-hmm. I was young, I was super, I was so, I was so like uncontrollably competitive that like, mm-hmm. you know, not winning a race would result in a meltdown. And, and I still have that, that like competitive streak in me, but I've gotten really good at just like setting it aside. And so I tend to either be, oh yeah, you know, we're just hanging out, having fun or like, mm-hmm. fuck you, let's go. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we're gaming, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and and you know, Jackie has some friends uh, who live out of town. They come sometimes, and they, for years before Jackie and I met, uh, had been playing Settlers of Catan together, and they love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all they're all super competitive about it, and it it usually uh, will be like uh, six people, three couples. Um, and, and the, the, the two other couples are, they, they are cutthroat and they hate each other when they're playing Settlers of Catan. Nobody's, nobody's in a relationship when you play Settlers of Catan. That's the first, that's the first rule of Settlers of Catan. And so I all of a sudden was trying to like parachute into this, you know, war zone. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I had never played Settlers before playing it with, with these folks, and I don't play anymore. Yeah. Not, you know, because I'm not, if I get caught up in the competitiveness, it's just going to get worse. Right. And I, and because I'm not going to get caught up in the competitiveness, the like <laughs> anger is <laughs> really unpleasant to me. And so I just kind of sit to the side and let, let the five of them work out their issues with, with the settlers board. It is, uh, I mean, but it is really fun to become like a sheep baron. It's just like, <laughs> it's so satisfying to just corner the market on sheep. Uh, it's awesome. Um, 
The episode uh, is entirely based around Finn and Jake playing a game together, playing and Finn learning the game and Jake teaching the game. Um, I it was it's a very funny episode. Uh, it's but the, um, the the basic conflict is that Jake is teaching Finn. Finn is new. Jake is playing. Jake is both a bad winner and a bad loser. He is he wants to play the game because he wants to beat Finn and no one else will play with him. And BMO in fact warns Finn beforehand. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So Jake is a known bad board game player, uh, bad sport really, but Finn is his friend and Finn, you know, thinks this game sounds pretty cool and he wants his friend to be happy. So he's going to play and he listens to the two hour intro. I mean, I, there was like a, there was a very, um, the funny scene of like Jake's like okay I'll tell you how uh, let's I'll tell you uh-huh. how to play and then they do a cut of like two hours later and he's still telling him and Jake's like well that should about cover the basics oh man like that is the worst like there are so many hobbies I mean this it felt very like Dungeons and Dragons to me like yeah the learning curve to get into those games is so mm-hmm. flipping steep or it can be if if you are introduced in the wrong way in the way that like someone who is like i don't know if i'm going to use is pedantic the word, right word like like a rules i don't know like someone who's so like a stickler for the rules and just wants yeah to play yeah the, i think pedantic would would work there i i think play the right way like you need this is the you right. know, that's that's the problem is jake is trying to introduce finn to the game in the way he's like i want you to play the way i want you to play and so i'm going to right. explain it in a way that you will play my way and Man, D and D could be like that. Like, there are ways to get into that game that are much simpler if you have the right friend group or the right introduction to it. But on its face, like the rule book for D- Dungeons and Dragons is like a literal textbook. It is thick. Right. Yeah, and and you can either have someone read you the damn rule book, mm-hmm. or you can have someone just kind of play along and teach it to you. Right, and it is the second is so much better and the right way to do it. But like, yeah. But those games, like there's a bunch of them out there that at, are, are so like that. And there's a lot of hobbies like that. And that's like the quickest way to kill a hobby is to like make the barrier to entry super high. Right. Uh, or to have like the existing fan base be like super dismissive or super uh, toxic to yeah. new, new players. Uh, and Jake's kind of doing all of it <laughs> at once. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, Jake both wants Finn to play, but also more or less wants Finn just to lose and lose mm-hmm. gracefully. And Finn, and I, I would imagine this happens. This can happen a lot in D and D where like mm-hmm. a new player has a way of sort of thinking outside of the box yeah. that introduces, uh, you know, things which I don't think anything Finn does in card wars is against the rules of the game. It's just playing it in a different way can result right. in a very different uh, experience. Exactly. Yeah, it seems that like it's the toxicity that Jake is exuding is that he wants Finn to play so that Jake can have fun. Like the fun right. is the fun for Jake is winning. And so he is not actually interested in Finn having a good time. He's interested in Finn being a conduit to his own pleasure, to his own uh self desires. Right. Jake doesn't want to play with Finn. Jake wants Finn to play with Jake. Yeah, that's a fantastic. You're you're boiling them down to solid cruxes today. Um, so 
that is the episode. And but the problem, the tension is that Finn's actually pretty good, or at least he is playing in a way that Finn, Jake doesn't expect, and therefore is actually winning the game because you know he's he's doing he's unexpected pig moves and pig flooping was not something that Jake yeah. knew you could do. Yeah, you've got a pretty good strategy, but you forgot one thing. It's about <laughs> the cones. It's about the cones. And, but and this quickly starts leading to problems. Like Jake wears his heart on his sleeve in this episode and wears his anger on his sleeve and he be quickly becomes very angry with Finn for winning, for being better than Jake expected. And Finn recognizes it quickly. He's like, oh no, something's wrong. What's happening? And so he quietly, he tries to get out of it. He says, why don't we just pause? Why don't we just stop for a while? And Jake's like, no, we're going to play this game. We're playing and you you need to make it, you know, he, mm-hmm. he gets all big and menacing. He says, you play the game. And so then Finn makes an excuse that he has to go to the bathroom and he goes to find BMO because he remembers the warning that BMO gave him. And now he's <laughs> like, wait, what did he mean? What did BMO mean? <laughs> and there's an adorable scene where Finn's looking for BMO and uh, and he goes to like a, you know, another room in the house and then BMO drops BMO out chop. of the ceiling and does a BMO chop on. And then if this had been a real attack, you would have been dead. But he asked BMO to clarify, what do you mean uh, about this? And and BMO's like, oh, no, are you winning? And he said, that's, and, you know, that's bad. Like the when I played Jake, I beat him too. And Jake wouldn't mm-hmm. speak to me for a month because he was so depressed. And, and Finn's like, you know, that's terrible. Like Finn's just like, I just played the game because I wanted him to be happy. I don't want him to be depressed after this. And I want to, I mean, you know, so Bemos decide, Bemo says, mm-hmm. you're going to have to throw the game. You're going to have to take a dive. Before, before we get to where Finn is taking a dive, I want to uh, bring up a favorite moment of mine, which is the animation. Like after his first successful play, Jake is really upset and, and Finn is kind of egging him on, uh, you know, well, you know, uh, mm-hmm. why would you, uh, have a field full of corn? You know, when, when, why would you get all of your power from corn when my pig's just going to eat your corn? And the animation mm-hmm. is fantastic where they, mm-hmm. like Finn sort of gets distorted into this like troll face, uh, that, that, you know, as uh-huh. he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have, uh, made all of your power rely on corn. Right. His self-satisfied face is, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, Given the simple animation or the simple line style that the show has, usually they did a good job of per- put, like creating that sense, creating that yeah. feeling on his face. But they they drew him in a much different way to do it, but it was yeah yeah right, like way good. beyond way beyond um, a smirk into it, it, the only yeah. word that I think of when I see is like troll face. It looks like, you know, a drawing of of, mm-hmm. of like what you would post in a forum to troll somebody. Yeah, I yeah. think there's like meme mm-hmm. faces that look like that. Yeah. Um, the other couple things I noted were um, Jake's strategy relies very... There, there's a big debate during the game of like Jake's strategy, which relies on uh, corn power, essentially having field of corn that powers his, his creatures. And there's a big debate over whether like having corn is cool. And as a uh, as a native Midwesterner, I, I felt personally yeah, attacked. And, you know, maybe it's not <laughs> wise to invest everything in corn. Oh shit! Well, I guess we plant some soybeans, so we're we're okay. Right. 
Sure. Um, I also noted that Finn call, there's uh, they are playing for some stakes, some low like they are playing uh, to be a mm-hmm. cool guy or a dweeb. That is the the stakes they are playing for. And at first, that seems pretty innocuous and and fine to Finn. But then Jake, one of the first hints that he is uh, not going to be a fun game player is that he then pours two mugs of beverages and labels them cool guy and dweeb. And in the cool guy uh, one, he puts a tasty beverage. And in the dweeb one, he puts a uh, concoction of a bunch Just of different me, nasty actually, things, including ha- another ham juice. Midwestern thing that Finn does here is he calls it pop. I, I was going to say the same He's thing. He's like, you ruined that pop. I was going to say the same thing. He calls it pop. So I think I definitely need to add to our... Um, existing metaverse theory that uh real finn in the real world uh lives somewhere in mm-hmm. the united states midwest but not st louis i i live in this weird island of soda man oh yeah it's and i mean Chicago too. I think pretty much like midwest i think very much like the iowa nebraska area is where finn is from yep so anyway, we've, we've hit a few details uh, and got a bit off the chronological course of the show, of the episode. But um, anyway, the tension comes. So now Finn has to throw the, throw the match. He has, to th- he has to convincingly take a dive so that Jake will be uh, satisfied and not a jerk and, and not be depressed following the game. So Finn does, Finn's actually good enough at the game that he figures out a way to do it. And his gambit works. Um, And Jake is able to regain his ego and beat Finn. But even in victory, you know, he is also, you know, even after almost being defeated by Finn, after he wins, he is not magnanimous. He is very petty and literally rubs Finn's face in it he rubs finn's face on the game and says like haha you yeah. win or like I'm very little grace from jake in this episode yeah forces you know he gives uh he gives finn his gross beverage that he his punishment beverage that he has to drink which finn sniffs and this is the first hint of we're returning to jake and we're like where jake is coming down out yeah. of his his megalomania um and Finn sniffs the beverage and like is pretty disgusted by it. And then Jake goes, Oh, wait, is it too gross? Like, is it okay? Like, you don't have to drink it, basically. And then uh and Finn goes, No, this is this we agreed to it, and he takes a sip, and balance is restored because Finn takes a sip and actually enjoys it. And then Jake's like, oh, wait, it's good. And so Finn gives him a sip and it's no, it's definitely disgusting. Finn has played a joke back on Jake that it is terrible. And so a bit of balance has been restored, a power balance. Like Finn is now back to playing jokes on Jake Mm -hmm. again and Jake is accepting them. So we end on that note where that with them both taking sips of this disgusting beverage. They're trading the dweeb Um, cup back and forth and uh, they are reunited on the, they are no longer in separate factions. I, uh, I found myself thinking about, uh, well, when this episode started with Jake going like, I want to teach you about this thing. I like, (laughs) I couldn't help, but think about our show. Uh, and, but mostly I thought about like, what are the right ways to introduce someone to something you Mm -hmm. like? And I wondered if you, I wondered if it was worth us 
thinking on that yeah. for a moment. Like, what have we learned through our own experiment? Like, what do we think are the right and wrong ways to introduce a person who you uh, care about in some way uh, into, some, you know, like to enjoy something that you already enjoy? Yeah. So, I don't know if you have any I mean, I, I think that it depends on what your goal is. Um, if, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, plenty of times... Uh, I'll see something that I like and I'll uh, send a link to Jack here. I'll say, hey, you know, sit down and watch this that I'm watching. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, unless she shows further interest in it, that's all I'll do, you know, because mm-hmm. my goal isn't to like wrap her up in this thing that's important to me. It's just kind of, hey, you know, you might like this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think that I I have a hard time getting recommendations from people and I've come to realize it's because I have ADHD. And so I have a hard time like putting on a show and being like, I'm going to watch this now for some reason, like making that commitment is a like a sort of an anxiety inducing mm. thing for me. So I wind up like, I watch a lot, a lot more of like YouTube videos than I do of like episodes of TV shows. And so if mm-hmm. someone wants to get me introduced to something I think that it requires sort of a, a purposeful, like experiencing it with me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a band, let's listen to the album together. If it uh, is a show, like, you know, I, I probably will need to be like sat down and watch the first couple episodes with you sure. in order to like get hooked in. Um, I'm not likely to be like, oh yeah, you know, someone said I should check that out. I'm going to sit down and watch it right now. That for some reason, that's just really like, uh, yeah, anxiety inducing and intimidating to me. It's interesting that you say, cause I think there's probably a bunch of people out there who find, who would, if you were, rec- if, if you were the recommender of a show, it might feel pressure inducing to force that person to watch it yes. with you. Like if it's, it's like, right. you know, like I, I, I have experience. It's basically like I am an expert in the show in some yeah. way. I have some experience with it and I'm wanting you to watch it. And then it's like, you have that, you have the, the, the new person of the show has that weird experience of like sort of being watched, watching yeah, the because show. The, like next, our, the next know. thing is, Hey, what do you think? What do you think? Do you like it? And then right, exactly. you know, you, it's really hard to be like, no, that sucked, man. That thing that you clearly mm-hmm. showed me was so important to you by making me sit down and watch it with you—that was terrible. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. not a it, it puts uh, it can put someone into a uh, very difficult situation. Yeah, like power. Like power is probably not the right word, but I'll use it. It's probably it's at least a useful word. Like a power imbalance mm-hmm. when it comes to that kind of thing is it's tough to negotiate. Uh, especially for shows, things, things that you've already experienced. If it's something new that you're both experiencing together, or if it is, um, like make you say like a board game or something that you can both, yeah. that like each game, each time you experience it is different, even right. for the, even for an experienced person. I think that's an, that's a more level, uh, playing field or a level situation to come in on, but where it's like a show, a TV show where it's like, that's tough. I mean, I, I, I think our experiment here has been um, largely successful because I have the added benefit of being able to talk to you about it in this forum after mm-hmm. watching it. I think if it had just been you telling me, hey, you should watch Adventure Time. And and then 
peppering me with a few, did you watch it? Did you watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> afterwards? I don't know how much I would have gotten into it. Like, I don't know where it would have gone, frankly. Right. But because we are both experiencing this podcast together as a new thing, then like you've a step, we've a step, like the power imbalance is different, is, is level, right? Like it's like, yeah. we're both, we're both having this experience and that is new to both of us. So it's fine that you've watched the show and I haven't, I've come to kind of think of it that way. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, and I've come to enjoy watching the show. Like I've, I, it's, I, I enjoy, I look forward to watching two new, two new episodes because it means I get to talk to you about them. So mm-hmm. in that sense, that is my experience of watching Adventure Time is, is completely linked to this experience. Whereas I know yours right. is different, has different layers. Yeah, I, I will say though that um, I get something new out of the show uh, by by watching it with with an eye on you know what I'm going to talk to you about, and then yeah. and then getting to talk to you about it. Um, you know, I I don't feel like I have taught you about Adventure Time. Um, sure, I had seen the episodes before, but you know we're both watching them and talking about them. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's. Uh, I just I laughed when I saw this episode was like, oh, it's Jake trying to tell him trying to get Finn into into doing something like trying to uh, I was like, oh, I, I see some I yeah. see some similarities happening. Not very quickly. The similarities ended. You're not uh, a bad sport at watching Adventure Time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I uh, but I also know that like, you know. I've introduced people to Dungeons and Dragons. I've tried, you know, it, sometimes it takes, sometimes it doesn't. Um it is uh, mm-hmm. is a tough thing to do. So I think my my recommendation to anyone out there is if you are trying to introduce a friend to a new experience that you have already experienced, try to level the playing field. Try to level the power structure in some way so that it makes it so that the person mm-hmm. you're introducing it um, is not simply being uh, you. They are not being. Uh, they not felt like they're under some sort of microscope. I think is probably the best way to put it right um yeah and and i think for me uh, you know i I mentioned earlier that i i I work better if i have like a well-defined task and so i think i do well in like taking in new media if mm -hmm. there's structure to it so like we're going to watch it and then we're going to talk about it or uh i've done a Mm -hmm. couple like online book clubs right you know so i know that as i'm reading god maybe it's you know going back to you know being a overachiever or whatever i feel like i have to be preparing for something in order to uh you know be spending my time well uh but i do feel like uh if you say hey you should you should watch that i'd be like yeah you know i might get around to it but if you say like oh you know um you should watch that and then i want to uh talk to you about xyz i'm much more likely to watch it because i feel like i'm going in with some sort of frame of reference and I know what I'm doing and it's not just what did you think so much as more systematically figuring out what you thought and felt about the the media. a discreet ask is way better than an ambiguous one like mm-hmm. hey you know hey I've watched all of Arrested Development seven times and I love <laughs> the whole show you should watch it so that we could talk about all the episodes like, <laughs> that is a big ask to someone but like Hey, you let you should watch the pilot episode, and then I want to about it. Yeah, uh, or like I think you'll get the following out of the pilot episode, and if you like mm-hmm. these things, then I think you'll like other episodes. Like that's a discreet ask, and people can process that. Like, 
and it is much you're much more likely to get someone but like it is completely and jake's problem of course in the episode is it is completely unreasonable to ask someone to take on your interest and and like it and to the same degree and in the same way that you like it because you are distinct people you are distinct individuals that it, right. that is impossible so yeah. Uh, setting your own expectations is also important. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like book clubs are a really great way because they because of the structure they impose, but also because mm-hmm. of the discreetness. It's like we're going to read one book, right, and, right, and then talk about it. It's you know, it's like th- there's so many examples, and 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 that we said, you know, I said before, like it, it happens with a lot of hobbies that like if the barrier to entry or the the, the learning curve is too high, people won't do it, like because they've got other stuff to do in their lives. Like, oh man, the like. I enjoy some of the Marvel movies, but like, hey, we should, you would, you know, you should really watch Marvel, like you should watch Avengers Infinity War, but to really understand it, you're going to need to watch 27 hours of Marvel movies to get there. Like that's a, it's impossible. Stop it. Yeah, there are, I feel like there are a lot of properties where I didn't get in at the ground floor and so I'm just never going to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Magic the Gathering to bring it back. Like, I think that, you know, I think that's probably one, like maybe if someone had like played one game with us that like early on, like the, maybe it would mm-hmm. be a different scenario. Uh, I had a friend, uh, someone in my gaming group for D&D who was also in Magic the Gathering. He was into it. And he, he was, he just casually mentioned once like, oh, I'm selling my Magic the Gathering cards. I've been, you know, I've got a bunch of valuable cards and a bunch of non-valuable cards. So I'm like, Sell them off mm-hmm. piecemeal, basically. And someone else asked, like, oh, how many cards do you have? And he said 45,000. Woo! Yeah. And I was like, that is an infa- unfathomable number of cards. That's a lot to, of cards. Of, of just paper to have in one Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so people can get deep into it. And it's it would be wrong of that person to expect someone else to dive in as deeply as they did. And they <laughs> right. weren't. They weren't asking you that. But, like... Just take my 45,000 cards home, review them overnight... Right, and then we'll play magic tomorrow. Love them as much as I do, and <laughs> uh, and then we're good to go. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that the episode ended on a positive note. I'm glad that they didn't become. Uh, I'm glad they're still friends. Uh, it was a funny one. It was a much lighter one, a much less level. Like I said, much simpler episode yes. than the other Cookie Princess episode. Um, yes, it was. But fun and 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 a good a good uh, palate cleanser. Or palette opener. I think so. Uh, but Well then, yeah. go ahead. Nope, that was all I had. Uh, once again, we are transitioning seamlessly to the end of the episode, of our episode. Uh, uh, um, uh-huh. uh, yeah, uh, we will, uh, I will give you an assignment of, of two more Adventure Time episodes to watch, but I'll have a clear follow-up in each other in a week or so and talk about them. I can do that. Discreet ask. And, you know, we have some discreet asks of our listeners, don't we, Ben? We do. I would, uh, I would ask that you send us discreet messages, uh, both uh, secretive. We trust your discretion. Right. Both secretive and, uh, you know, discreet. In Individualized. Individual. Individual and secret messages. Discreet in both ways. Uh, in one of several channels, uh, I would ask that you pick one. And use that channel. Uh, you may pick email, where you can reach us at uh, podventuretime at gmail.com, Twitter at podventuretime, or on Facebook at the Treehouse Treasure Room. And 
pick one. And depending send. on which generation you're a member of, you can choose your media appropriately. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like uh, as of this recording, Facebook is still called Facebook, but it sounds like they might be called something different sometime in the future here. So uh, right. we, will, we will see. I think they're going to be called the Facebook. That's my thought is that they're going to add <sighs> the the uh, just and be a, be a complete joke from about the movie social network. The um, but until Facebook changes its name, reach us on Facebook at the Treehouse Treasure Room. <laughs> And we will retroactively go back and change all the episodes we've recorded previously once that happens so that we can remain uh, current. And the, but those are the three ways you can reach us. And we would love to hear a discreet message from you, a single discreet message. That is your task for this week. Send a single discreet message in one of those channels and we will send you a single discreet message uh, back. Yeah, of course we will. Um, If you, are you know interested in experiencing some music that I kind of like or whatever? Uh, you could go to willyates.bandcamp.com because Will Yates provides the intro and outro music for our podcast. The song is called Date Night and it's from his EP I Know the Feeling. Again, willyates.bandcamp.com is where you can pay what you want for Will's electronic music. Uh, ben, I think that is about all I've got. We will see you next time. Uh, But of course, until then, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. I'm a Card Wars Super Amadeus. (laughs) 